y'all doing tonight? Good? Well, my name is Tay, like Pastor Hal said, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm one of the small group leaders. I lead um, 22 to 27 group with Miss Vanessa, and my group is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited to be able to bring the word for you guys today. And I just want to know if there are any foodies in the room. Does anyone like food? Now, are there any people who cook in the room? Okay, okay. I, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to get when I asked if people actually cook, because I think people love to eat, right? But cooking is a whole nother thing. Um, so I don't know if anybody who is in it, if you just cook the same dish all the time, or if you're an experimental cook. Like, I'm a person who likes to get new recipes and go on the, online and try to, you know, get new stuff. And sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. So, you know, one day I was looking for a new recipe. I have very weird dietary restrictions, so I have to eat gluten-free, not because it's cool, but because I have to. Anyways, so I was looking for some gluten-free recipes, right? And I found a recipe that sounded so good. It was pineapple teriyaki meatballs with coconut flour. Now, I've never worked with coconut flour, but it was on sale at Sprouts. So I bought some. I bought all the right ingredients, right? I was like, oh, I'm going to have me a new recipe. It's going to be fun. Put everything in the bowl, mixed it up, you know, portioned them out, put them in the oven, waited for a lot of them out of time. And then I pulled them out, and I was like, ooh, these look nice, and I tasted them. And it was not what it was advertised to be. I was rather upset about it. I was like, this is so nasty. I just wasted all my money buying all these ingredients, wasted my time. I could have ordered takeout and had it delivered. With the, with the same price, and, and it would have tasted good. And sometimes we do this with God. We're like, God, I gave you all the right ingredients. I put it in for the allotted amount of time. You told me to serve God. You told me to do my quiet time, and I gave it to you and waited, and I didn't get what I wanted. I got, this don't look anything like a blessing. Not at all. God, if I wanted it to be gross, I could have threw it in the bowl myself. I could have just opened my cabinet and put it all in the bowl. But instead, I did what I was supposed to do, and I came to you, and I said, God, please bring me something out of this, and that didn't happen. And I know a lot of us in the room have felt this way. And I can tell you you're not the only one. As you can hear from all the laughter around the room, that was, some of it was pain laughter. Some people was laughing from experience, okay? So I want to take us into one of my favorite books of the Bible, and it's Esther. And I love Esther because there's a little bit of everything in that book. There are queens getting kicked out of castles. There's a crazy party. There is like an episode of The Bachelor in there somewhere. So if you don't read your Bible and you say it's boring, I don't want to hear it. You need to open up the, the Old Testament. That's all I'm saying. So the beginning of Esther actually picks up in the middle of a crazy party. Not like a, woo, we're partying until 4 a.m. party, but a seven-day party. Like the king was turning up. He said, serve everybody. And like there's no limit. Just keep on serving them, right? So they are drinking wine. They are eating lots of food. The party lasts seven days. On the seventh day, when he was drinking and eating with all his subjects, the Bible says this, that he was high in spirits. High in spirits. That's what the Bible says. So, you know, he was probably walking around a little like this, you know. And he said, you know what? I would like my wife to come. Somebody summoned the queen, and I want her to, you know, come in. I want everybody to behold her. Behold. The queen, as the uh, biblical feminist she was, said, no. 
you and all your homies are drunk. I'm not coming in there. And then she got kicked out of the castle for that. He, that was petty. <laughs> she didn't want to come, so he kicked her out of the castle. So actually, this is the point where the namesake of this book enters, Esther and her cousin Mordecai. So her cousin Mordecai is actually her guardian. Um, her parents died when she was younger, and her cousin Mordecai took her in. And so when the king, dis- he came to, you know, after his seven-day party, got sobered, and came back and was like, now I don't have a wife. That's tough. I need a new wife. So he decided to put on his own form of the bachelor and round up all the young virgins of the land to come and try to be queen. So this is where Esther gets taken off and swept into the kingdom, leaving Mordecai behind at home. Mordecai tells her, don't tell anybody you're Jewish. Keep it low-key. They're both Jewish. Keep it low-key. You know, just go about your business, and it'll be great. Now, later in Esther... Cousin Mordecai, we find out, is a guard at the gate. And he heard that there were some guys planning to assassinate the king. And Mordecai wasn't, he wasn't down with this assassination plan. He told someone that someone told the king, got the whole thing foiled. And so Mordecai, really good guy. He adopted his little cousin who didn't have parents. He was a good Jewish man. He was a guard at the gate, and he saved the king's life. Now right here enters our villain, Haman. And Haman is the king's right-hand man. So he's like the vice president. He's like the guy the king comes to for everything. And instead of giving credit where credit is due to Mordecai, Haman takes all that credit for himself and says, yes, I saved the king. And the king makes, like, gives him a whole little parade, and he goes around, and everyone is bowing to him. And as Mordecai, you can imagine when Haman comes around to your part of town, you're not trying to bow. I did that, and now you get in the parade. So Mordecai didn't bow. Haman was pressed about this. He was not happy at all. So he goes to the king and basically convinces the king to set up a Jewish purge. Like, like the purge, the movie The Purge, where people are wearing white masks and everything is legal for a day. Like that's what Haman convinced the king to do. For one day, everyone was allowed to kill the Jews. So this edict comes out, and it comes to Mordecai. And can you imagine what Mordecai is feeling? Like, he has done all the right things. He has given God all the right ingredients. He has adopted his little cousin. He has been loyal, and he has done nothing but serve his God. And now he's being persecuted. I'll be looking up at God like, what the actual heck at this point? And today in 2021 in America... You probably aren't facing certain death. There's probably no edicts out to kill your certain brand of person. But I bet you can relate to Mordecai more than you think. Some of us have been busting our butts at work to be laid off during the pandemic. And some of us have been doing all the right things that the Bible tells us to do, spending time with God and serving and giving it your 100, and you're looking for your spouse, and God hasn't sent them yet. And I just, I just could, I could feel that right here because when I was coming straight out of high school, I went to college straight out of high school like most kids do. I went to culinary school in New York, and I did all the right things as well. I was there. I didn't have a regular college experience. You're like, some people go to college, but they really go to party. Like, that wasn't allowed in my school. 
We, <laughs> we did eight hours of class a day. I was tutoring. I had a, a serving job. I, my grades were up. I was doing great. I came home to do my internship, which was a required part of my program. And then I just found out that I couldn't go back to school. And there was nothing that I had done. It wasn't like I was slacking off. It wasn't like that I wasn't doing my homework. It was just that we really couldn't, I just, my family couldn't send me back. So that was really rough for me. And it was totally out of my control. And just because you're doing all the right things, you are reading all the books, praying all the prayers, doesn't mean that God is not gonna smack you or life is not gonna smack you when you feel like you're up. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And we are not promised easy lives as Christ followers, but we are promised that he will never leave us or abandon us. So we're going back to Mordecai, right? So remember, he just found out that his people are going to be killed. So he's in sackcloth, and that's like a clothing that Jewish people wear when they're mourning. And he is just, you know, terrified because there's a plot to have him executed. And we also find Haman, so Mordecai's on this side, standing in sackcloth, boo. Haman on this side is building a gallows. So if you don't know what a gallows is, it's basically a structure where they hang people. Like, like very, very crazy. Haman is building this just for Mordecai on his land. Like petty on petty. Like you already said that they were all going to be killed and now you want Mordecai to be killed right here. You're like, I made a spot for you. That's crazy. So, <laughs> and he was enraged. And from Mordecai's perspective, this was the end. Like th th this was the end. He could, he's literally looking at his death. And for me and my story, I felt very similarly. I came out, I had to stay home, and I was depressed. My dad describes it as a dark cloud. And I walked away from God. After piling up unanswered questions and letting doubt and anxiety and fear and anger just keep building, I had given up and I was living for whatever I thought was going to make me happy or, or whatever I thought that I missed out on doing what I was supposed to be doing. I had lost my way from God and I lost hope that he could uplift me through that. And I know some of you in this room can feel me right here. Like you woke up this morning with your own dark and stormy cloud above you. And I just want you to know that he is working in the background for you. And he wants a real relationship with you. And just because you don't feel like you're seeing him in the way that you want to see him, doesn't mean he's not there. Oxygen is something that we need to, to live and survive and we are least aware of it because it's around all the time and God is the oxygen of our spiritual lives he is around all the time and he's just waiting on you to notice him so we're going back to the story of Mordecai and one night the king for some reason can't sleep he's like tell me a story actually didn't somebody save my life <laughs> oh did we do anything for that guy and his subjects were like Oh, it was actually the guard, Mordecai. He apparently would just be throwing parties all the time. I don't trust his memory. He already gave Haman a parade for this. But anyways, he was like, did we do anything for this guy? And one of the guards was like, oh, that was actually the guard, Mordecai. And so the king was like, huh, wow, I definitely got to gotta do something about that. So he calls Haman in. And he's like, Haman, what should I do f for someone I would like to honor? And you know, Haman being Haman was like, oh, I bet this is for me. 
So Haman laid it all out. He was like, I want you to, they should be clothed in robes. They should be straddled around the kingdom. Everybody should know their name. Yada, yada, yada. He's going on and on. And he's probably waiting like this, like, when are you going to tell me? When are you going to tell me? That's mine. And the king was like, great. Do all of that for the guard Mordecai. Oh, I'll be hot, Lord Haman. I'll be so mad. Like, he, he literally in his backyard got a gallows for Mordecai. Now he got to take him around the city. That's crazy. So, Mordecai's taken, uh, Mordecai's taken around the city by Haman. And I can just imagine that Haman is just stewing. He's just like waiting for the day that he can kill all the Jews so Mordecai can be out of his hair. Well, previous to this, Mordecai had actually told his cousin Esther about this edict. You know, she lives off in the castle, so she's probably not hearing what the everyday folk are hearing. So he's like, you know, the Jews are being persecuted. And so Esther sets up a meal. I imagine this to be a real reality show, Kardashian style. Like, it wasn't no regular meal. She was about to expose Haman for everything he had just put her family through. And so <laughs> I just imagine it going like, Haman, King, Esther. King, Esther, Haman. <laughs> and like it just panning back until Esther exposes him. The king was furious. He was so mad that he had Haman killed on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. Can you imagine? The thing that was supposed to kill you killed your enemy. He not only had Haman killed on that gallows, he also gave Mordecai his land and his job. So imagine if in all the darkness and mourning, when Mordecai was supposed to die, literally his people were supposed to be wiped from, from their city, if he just fled, if he just gave up right there in the middle of his story, and the screen just faded to black, in the middle of hopelessness and darkness, maybe your screen would fade to black in that breakup, in that unemployment, and we gave up right there. There would be no opportunity to see this victory in the end. And as for me and my story, God has been redeeming me and has taken all of that darkness that I was feeling, and he's been helping me help others see that this is, this is the place where they can't give up. Where you perceiving God has given up on you, he is just working in the background. So now I'm passionate about, help, about helping people know that God is real and active and he wants to have a relationship with you. And by relationship, I mean he doesn't want you to just do the things. Imagine if you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and they like flowers and you just bought the flowers with like, here's your rose. You just threw it at them. There's no love attached. There was no heart attached. She was just like, you told me to buy you flowers, so... Sometimes we do that with God. God, you told me some time with you, so here are my five minutes. That's not a relationship. So I'm passionate about <laughs> helping people do that thing. And, and, and I can speak from the place that I feel like <laughs> that God took me out of. And so now I am actually back in school doing something totally different than I thought I was going to do before. I thought I was going to be a chef. Now I'm in school to be a dietitian. I thought that I was going to be in New York. I was going to be traveling. I'm in Tampa again. That's okay. Um, I met my husband here. You know, God has put a lot of things back in front of me and redeemed a lot of that darkness that I felt like I was going through. And so for you, I want you to know 
that God is working things together for your good and you cannot lose hope before he can bring you victory. If Mordecai would have fled, he would have never seen the other side of his story. Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And later down in that chapter on verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working things together, but that doesn't mean that it's going to look like the way you wanted it to look. (laughs) I went to college thinking I was going to be a chef. I'm not a chef. If you're in the middle of your Mordecai moment, and you're looking around and all you see is darkness and persecution, or you're just so anxious that you can't, you feel like you can't get up. You just have to know that God is with you. That hope is with you. That God is here and hope is here. And just because you are giving all the right ingredients and you don't see what you want, it doesn't mean that God is punishing you. You cannot be a victor without a battle. And so I just want to challenge everyone to go through the book of Esther. There's a really cool plan on the Bible app, and it's called Behind the Scenes, the Esther Story. And it takes you through the book of Esther in six days. So if you start it tomorrow, you know, you can have it done by next Tuesday. You come tell me how it was, and we could talk Esther, because I'm telling y'all, that's my favorite book. Okay. And so day one had a little excerpt I just wanted to read to you guys. It said, we see... God's fingerprints all over seemingly odd circumstances. How does an orphan Jewish girl become queen of a Persian kingdom? Some may put it down to random occurrence, but God doesn't do coincidence. God doesn't do random. He doesn't do happenstance, and he might not seem like he's in the picture, but he's always working behind the scenes. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every person that, that is hearing my voice right now. I thank you for bringing each one of them in the middle of whatever darkness that might be in their heart and bringing them right up here to you. God, I pray that you would just start opening hearts and showing people a way out of their darkness or show them what you're transforming them to become. God, I pray that people would just be able to let go of the strong hold that they have on whatever they're achieving for that is not in your plan. I pray that people would start to just have a fire for your plan and for your purpose more than their own, that you would show them a path to a relationship with you and not just (laughs) chores of just, I feel like I have to spend time with you. God, I pray that you put a fire in them. I thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.